Hello, everyone. This is Sonata Allison, and you're listening to episode 27 of the Parallel Podcast, where we talk about sexuality as it should be. Alrighty, so welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys are doing well today, feeling well, enjoying your day. Um, uh, just want to do a quick shout out to the new TikTok listeners that we got over here on the Parallel. I see you guys. Okay. And I'm glad you're here. Also, I thought I'd just do like a little um, explanation again because I did an explanation on to why I named this podcast The Parallel like a little while ago, but I don't really talk about it often and I haven't really put it in a lot of marketing stuff. So um, basically I made this podcast um, to be countercultural, obviously, because the way that people are living out their sexuality in the world is very damaging to others and to themselves. Um, but also to Christ, you know, I mean, he had a perfect plan for how we do things and we are just <laughs> not doing it, you know, cause we're sinners. So the idea for parallel was kind of, you see a parallel line. Those two things look the same. They're similar. They might be moving in the same direction, but they never intersect. So we are to be in the world and not of it. Um, we can't not be in the world, you know, so there are going to be some things in the world that are good that will influence us, but when it comes to sexuality and living our lives like Christ, uh, we may look like humans that are the same as, you know, humans that are in the world, but we inwardly have a completely different experience with Christ, with the Holy Spirit. So I think our sexuality should reflect that as well. So that is why the parallel is named the parallel. So yeah, just want to do that quick explanation there. So yes, we'll be talking about cohabitating Christians today. And this is kind of a gray area in the church so i thought we'd have this conversation here so let's get right into it now you guys may be thinking like oh this is going to be a very predictable topic i don't need to listen to this um you're basically just going to tell us to not to like mater would say um but no that's not usually how i do things on the podcast um i think it's really important for people to understand why they shouldn't do things or you know, what pros and cons are of their different decisions. And then you can make your own decision in your relationship with Christ. So um, I think it is one of those things where people kind of cozy up to the fire and see how close they can get before they get burned. So first, I want to point out that I completely understand that sometimes circumstances just seem to lead you into the direction um, and in your mind, like keywords in your mind. It just makes sense to move in together. And I get it. It costs money to live alone. So it would be cheaper to just move in together. Um, or you're just tired of living with your parents or you just don't want to live with a roommate anymore and you'd rather live with the man or woman you're in a relationship with. I completely understand. Um, but as I spoke about in the episode about accountability, uh, we live a very countercultural um, lifestyle. We aren't slaves to sin anymore and we live for Christ. So we're not characterized by pleasure-seeking, careless living, um, unrepentant hearts. Those are not things that define us anymore. And so we have to be mindful of the situations we put ourselves in to avoid falling into temptation. Now, if you are living with your significant other and y'all have separate rooms and you sleep in separate beds because, you know what I'm saying, you can have separate rooms, but if you sleep in the same bed, the same, you know what I'm saying, that don't make no sense. <laughs> you're cohabitating. You're, it's, okay, you're in the same bed. So what's the point of having two different rooms? Um, so if you're in separate rooms, separate beds, you have accountability in your lives and your circumstances were so bad that you had to live together. 
you can go ahead and skip this episode. But I feel like less than 1% of Christians that are cohabitating are doing that. Um, Like I've said time and time again, sex is good. It is completely natural to desire your significant other in a sexual way. That is normal. That is how you procreate, which is what the Lord calls us to do on this earth. It is completely okay for you to look at your significant other and be like, oh, sh- <laughs> oh my boy, thank you, Jesus. That's okay. This is how our bodies are designed to respond. So what you're not going to tell me is you are sleeping in the same bed with someone you are sexually attracted to and you don't desire to have sex with them. You can't tell me that, okay? And if you really can, you truly can tell me that, I need you to write me, okay? DM me at the Parallel Pod on Instagram and let's talk because you may be experiencing asexuality and you are the minority, okay? Now, most people want to have sex with someone that they're attracted to. That is very common. So um, you're not going to just like put your desires in the bedside table and save it for when the person marries you. Then you go out and pull it out, like dust it out on your wedding night and then get back to business. It's just, you're not tricking me or anybody else, okay? Now, I'm not saying that you won't want to have sex with this person when, you know, you put it on, you put it in the uh, bedside table, you know, and you pull it out on your wedding day. I'm not saying you're not going to want to, um, but it's very confusing for your body and for your mind to just switch up in less than 48 hours. Um, so it's really something to think about. Um, yes, you can put it away. You can, um, uh, resist for however long you're living with this person, but it is not good for your mind or your body to do that. It just, it's just, it's counter what your body desires. Why would you put yourself in that situation? So, um, I think there actually is, um, many verses that people usually use in this situation, um, that I think can apply in many dating relationships, but Romans fourteen sixteen is usually used to condemn cohabitation, but also just people who are out here sinning in general. So it says, do not let your good be evil spoken of. And for those of you who um, this has been used against, I encourage you to read the full chapter so you can clap back at these people because this verse is actually often used out of context. This verse is actually addressing the people who are using the verse to judge you. <laughs> Who would have thought? How hypocritical can you be? You, The verse you're using should be used against you. So the chapter is speaking to people who are judgmental and putting their own convictions on others. So Paul is saying, don't let the gospel that we believe, right? So that's the good that, that he doesn't want to be evil spoken of. Don't let the gospel that we believe, um, the Jesus that we serve, be evil spoken of because of your behavior and because you are dying on a hill that you don't need to. <laughs> it literally says that, one who eats meat must not treat people with contempt because they eat vegetables. Shout out to all my vegans out there. Wait, or vegetarians. I'm going to say vegetarians. I don't really know the difference, to be honest. Um, you know, I'd be like, Sonata, so like, are you saying I can't go habitate? Or <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. Just listen, okay? So in the same passage, passage, it says not to be a stumbling block to your brothers and sisters as well. Um. And this may seem small, like what people are eating, but literally you could tell um, back in the day what community people belong to just simply off of what they're eating. You could tell what they believed as well. So it was very important at this time. So when Paul is telling these people, it doesn't matter what you eat, people are losing their minds. OK, they're in a, they're, they're in an uproar because 
it has become so much a part of their identity, what you eat. So even though he says it doesn't matter what you're eating, um, here I'll insert it doesn't matter that you are simply cohabitating, right? Minus the sin. It's only in that rare situation where you are not laying in bed tonight together and you have great accountability, right? I'm talking about pure cohabitation. So verses 15 says, if your brother and sister is distressed by what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. And you may be thinking like, how would the food I eat destroy a person? And that comes down to the relational aspect of Christianity. Um, I just imagine a person like eating right in, in front of someone's face who like they have no respect for them or their views. Like that's disrespectful. So it goes on to say it is better not to eat um, meat or drink wine or to do anything that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So at the end of the day, your brothers and sisters in Christ should want you to honor the Lord. So if they are uneasy about you living together, or even if you are causing your friends who don't need to be living together to think, you know what, let me go ahead and move in with my significant other. Um, just like you're, you're leading people to fall. So I'm talking to the people who are not in dire need of this living situation. Like you don't have to live with this person. If you don't have to, then don't do it. Um, and now I want to speak about it from, you know, other angles as well, because I, I really don't think you can base your decision solely off of like what other people think, because honestly, sometimes like who cares, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who cares what other people think to a certain extent? Um, I mean, it matters, but Romans 14 goes on to say in verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. So what's more important in your, is re, your relationship with Jesus, What's more important than what people think or you causing other to, others to fall is your relationship with Jesus. And this is not one of those lame excuses that people in the world like to say, like, only God can judge me. And if you're saying this, this is literally the worst excuse to use to keep on sinning. Like, do you know who God is? I would much, much rather for a measly human being to judge me than for God of the whole universe to judge me. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes people don't really be thinking. You're not y'all not thinking. So that's in your vocabulary. Delete it. Delete it. So I want to take you to um read this verse again because it's it should be taken very seriously. Um it is teaching you to stand firm on your beliefs and to truly understand if your beliefs align with your relationship with Jesus and not your relationship with with lust it says so whatever you believe about these things keep between yourself and God so align your life with Jesus and stand firmly on that belief so I want to genuinely ask you ask you this and like want you to ponder it um will moving in with this person cohabitating before marriage um will this provide a much higher level of unnecessary temptation for you Will it be more likely to sin against God by moving in with this person um, more than it would be causing you to take closer steps to God? And if somehow after those questions, you come to a conclusion that it won't cause you more temptation and it will only cause you to grow closer to God. Let me provide you with some research about the negative effects of cohabitation on relationships. 
Um, and this may sound like, oh, Sonata, you're trying to talk me out of it. What I'm doing is trying to equip you with as much wisdom before you step into a situation that may negatively affect your relationship with Jesus, um, but also your relationship with your significant other. Um, so one statistic shows that married adults have a higher level of relationship satisfaction and trust than those who are living with a partner. And you might be like, why would that even happen? It's just two people living together. What's the difference? Um, both couples are probably probably liked each other before they moved in, uh, committed enough to live together. What is the difference? And the difference is that married people have entered into a covenant. Okay? And that might sound familiar because your covenant with Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and that's where you find your safety and your trust on this earth this crazy earth that guy has us on um so it's not just a rental agreement that cohabitators have it is a literal covenant that they have agreed upon so when you get married most people understand that we are giving ourselves to each other for the rest of our lives um and i'm committed to this person when you're cohabitating you have no clue if this person will even like choose you tomorrow (laughs) If you think about it, like they, there's no reason they have to stay. There's no reason. Um, they haven't made a commitment to you really. Like you may be dating, right? You may be, um, boyfriend and girlfriend or even engaged, but there's no real commitment. You know, people could still get out and go. Um, and even if you, even if you feel like, um, they're going to stay, we don't know that for sure. You can feel comfortable, comfortable in that, but we don't know for sure. So there's no safety in the relationship because the commitment to stay together has not been made. So, Um, Even if you're engaged, there's still room for anxiety and no one likes that. Another statistic that will be fun for people who have a five-year plan is people who cohabitate are more likely to have unexpected births. Yay. So you can go ahead and throw out that five-year plan. (laughs) You've got to get baby Drew, you know, a new wardrobe and a five-year supply of diapers now. That's what you're focused on. (laughs) Uh, It's not funny, but yes, it is more likely to have unexpected births in cohabitating situations. Um, Also statistics show that for those who cohabitate and then end up getting married, they actually report a lower average of marital quality. And you may be thinking again, like that seems confusing. Like you did the whole try before you buy thing, you know, (laughs) tested out the car, you test drived it. You said, you know what? I think I want to do this. Um, Why wouldn't you be more satisfied? Because you did what the world says, you know, you, you try before you buy, see if they're good sexually, you find out they're great. Um, and somehow marital satisfaction is lower. And also, you're actually more likely to divorce as well if you cohabitate. So it's not looking too good right now, you know? So in my mind, it's like, if I'm seeing all the odds are against me, I can wait, <laughs> you know, I can wait. Um, So that reflects what I was talking to you guys about earlier, about putting your sexual desires in a drawer as well. So um, you've literally trained yourself in the environment of your home where you guys live and stay together to avoid your desire to have sex with this person. Even if you gave in sometimes and you didn't mean to, there was probably guilt associated with it and you were trying to avoid sex still. So what changes when you get married? Just the fact that um, the state considers you to be a union and you have something shiny on your hand that you have to keep track of for the rest of your life. That's really the only thing that changes in this situation. Um, and your mindset will be really hard to switch up, especially when you're cohabitating. 
And the psychology of it shows that you have literally conditioned your mind and your body to avoid sex at all costs. That's what you condition yourself every single day when you're living with this person that you want to have sex with. You're conditioning yourself. Don't have sex with them. Don't have sex with them. Um, And it will not be easy for you to just flip the switch and feel okay engaging in sex again. And there's even people who have uh, had premarital sex and their whole thought process is avoid sex, avoid sex, avoid sex. Then they get married. Sex is a good thing now when sex should have been a good thing the whole time and you waited for that thing. And there are people, especially Christians in marriages right now, who um, had such a negative view of sex before marriage that even in marriage they feel dirty and they feel like they shouldn't be having sex because sex was considered bad, right? So you have conditioned yourself to live with this person you love but also not engage with them sexually. So now something that you are trying to do, you know, for Christ is actually going against your nature and the nature that Christ had for you because he wants you to have sex with the person you love, (laughs) okay? He literally wants that for you. So you're going against the ultimate design as well. And it's not just about sex either. So research shows that a lot of people kind of just slip into cohabitating relationships and don't really set expectations for the relationship. And um, I just kind of imagine that people tend to avoid conversations about how things should look differently after marriage happens. But um, I think a physical transition has a role to play as well. Um, There's nothing to adjust to when you go from cohabitating to marriage. Like I said, really the only difference is now you got something to shine on your hand and the state recognizes you as a union. Um, So I want you to kind of imagine if you were in elementary school, right? Um, You start in kindergarten, you are in elementary school, then you go to middle school, then you go to high school, you do your bachelor's, you do your your master's, all in the same kindergarten class that you were in when you first started school. Like, just imagine that. So sure, the curriculum is changing, but I'm sure it would kind of feel the same way. You may even graduate from your master's and still feel like you never left kindergarten. Um, So there's still a role. There's a role to play in the physical, social and financial changes that shows you, okay, this is a new adventure and a new experience that cohabitation kind of robs you of. Um, I could see how disappointing it can be when, you know, for the first couple of weeks you're excited, but you kind of just fall back into the mundane and nothing really feels different because you didn't really change, you know, and you didn't have to grow with this person because you've already been living with them. Um, And I think there's something, you know, beautiful and um, growing for your relationship to have to experience those new things together when you enter into a new um, stage of life or new season of life. Um, So again, I urge you to be mindful of the negative effects that you may have be having just for like financial convenience like think about it um all the things i listed are those things uh worth all the you know turmoil just to pay less during the month you know is it is it really worth it especially if you're engaged and you can like hustle to live alone or with a friend before moving in with your spouse when you get married um now another statistic did show that it was harder for cohabitating people to break up um but that does not directly affect the fact that um, you know, you're staying together longer. It just means that you have a place, you know, you guys live in a place and you've placed yourself in a situation where you are depending on someone um, for your own well-being. So even if you can't stand the person, you stay there as a roommate because of your financial aspect of the relationship. So yeah, you these two humans are staying in the home together longer, but what is the quality of the relationship? Um, 
and just knowing God's design for marriage, you are extremely shortchanging yourself. And some of you may be thinking like, well, that won't happen to me. And I'm sure my client who was a single mother thought that too. Um, And she went ahead and signed that lease and she couldn't move out or ask her partner to move out because the apartment they lived in was too expensive. So they just basically became roommates who didn't speak often and spent a lot of time behind closed doors, you know, in their separate spaces with little interactions. So this decision has an effect on you, you know, like um, it's not going to have an effect on your salvation, but if you genuinely sit down and think about it, being a stumbling block for your relationship with others and for your, you know, your relationship with your significant other, also your relationship with the Lord, I would advise you to decide against it. Um, and it's not just like to avoid sexual sin that may happen. Um, you also have to look at the kind of person you're jumping to live with. You don't move in with someone to figure out their potential for marriage. You just simply spend more time with them, get to know the people they're surrounded by, um, what this person values, how they are when they're frustrated, and also spend time in prayer. You don't have to move in with someone to see what kind of person they are. Um, also, you need to find out if this person prioritizes Jesus and also, you know, asking yourself the same. Because if you already aren't pri- prioritizing Jesus and you're prioritizing this person over Jesus, like now, they will only become your idol if you choose to cohabitate. You're going to be in close proximity with this person. So they're going to be more of an idol to you, especially if you don't prioritize Jesus over your own pleasure or your own desires. Um, and I know people who have great intentions in cohabitating. I completely understand they had dysfunctional families. So they think if I cohabitate, then um, I can kind of figure out this person and see if they're worth spending the rest of my, my life with. And I get that. Um, I think, you know, you're definitely understanding the seriousness of marriage that it's for the rest of your life and it matters. But sadly, you'll never know for sure if this person will kind of make a flip in 10 years time, you know, or hurts you deeply. Um, You just don't know. So I don't want you guys to think that cohabitating will be the way to kind of foolproof your marriage for your heart. Um, I get that it can be scary, but Um, doing it in the way Jesus intends will actually be the safest decision for you. So I um, advise you to seek wise counsel and also do not ignore red flags. Um, A sad reality is that hurt happens in relationships. Like we live in a fallen world, so it's going to happen. But if you find someone who has a heart for God, a person who desires to be obedient to God um, and, you know, this is where your heart is as well. It can be one of the most fulfilling relationships you have on this side of heaven. But that person has to um, have the fear of God and, and genuinely his main priority or her main priority has to be Christ and honoring him. And that's the closest way you get to having a fulfilling, fulfilling relationship. Not cohabitating, not spending more time with this person. Does this person honor Christ with their life? That's the thing that'll be the most foolproof you can get words the most foolproof you can get on this side of heaven. So I hope this gave you guys some things to think about and an opportunity to form a more firm belief between you and the Lord. Um, If you did miss last week's episode, I spoke about starting a Patreon. So you can click the link in the description or um, go to at the parallel pod on Instagram uh, if you want to help support the show. So I have some content over there already. I have the video from the episode on Christians and dating apps. So if you feel led to join, 
do that also remember to speak the truth in love guys i'll speak to you next week bye